mission to explore the far reaches of cinema. Three daring adventurers dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Synonauts! Hey, this is Ian. I'm Boom. And this is Catcher. And welcome to another episode of Synonauts Exploring the Criterion. Uh, the three Synonauts are back this week. We did it. Yes. And we are heading back to our exploration of Manila in the Claws of Light with Catcher's pick of uh, Ash is Purest White. Oh, and look, it rhymed also. Little did we know. Love it. Uh, we'll talk about that film in just a little bit, but we haven't had the three of us together in like two weeks-ish now. It's yeah. been like a month. So, <laughs> a month, yeah, who knows. So uh, let's chat. Catcher, how are things? Things are good. Uh, busy. It's, uh, the sun was out, is back. It's summertime official here. It went basic. Like in Toronto, we're used to getting like four sort of temperatures a day sometimes and like the transition from one season to another can sort of like drag out a bit this was basically winter shitty spring and then the next day it was like 28 degrees and then it's been 28 (laughs) degrees since then so it's been kind of crazy hectic but i did have a visitor uh, Mm -hmm. dune pod's own h came to Mm -hmm. hang out (laughs) came for a meal which is great i only got to spend like an he came for like lunch uh, well, he came for dinner, but came by for a coffee, and we hung out for about like an hour. Me, mm. uh, his wife, and his kid, and it was really nice. And then they came for dinner and got to meet Emma, which was awesome. Nice. Um, Did he leave a Yelp review or? Uh, a, <laughs> oh my a, god! A very positive Twitter post from April. Okay. Um, which was hey, oh, that's good. Super hey. lovely with like amazing a lot photos. of impressions. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. So that was great, and I really appreciate that. But they just said so many nice things, and it was just nice to see you know, familiar faces. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but it's been crazy. I'm cooking more food now. Nice. So I'm like, we hired dishwashers, so I'm out of the pit and in the kitchen now. So it's like oh, lots of things. I've cut my He's hair. moving on up. You hired H as a dishwasher. That's, That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's he's really good, though. He's really good. He's very yeah. neat efficient. in particular and efficient. Oh my God, yeah. that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I cut my hair, my beard's down. So it's, yeah. Yeah. Lots of changes. New new catcher. Mm-hmm. Love it. I'm excited. Uh, looking at your letterboxed, there's nothing on here since June 29th. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, is that just a result of living in the summer weather and just exploring around a bit more and all that sort of stuff? I wish that was the case, but it's not. It's The reality is I've only watched two things. One of those things I started yes. watching yesterday. And I finished today, which is a show called The Bear. Uh, it's on Hulu in the States. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's with the guy from Shameless. The kid, one of the kids. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I never watched Shameless. Um, but basically, it's about a guy who is like a superstar chef, worked at like the world's best restaurants, and uh, his older brother uh, dies, and he has to come... And he basically takes over this like sandwich shop in Chicago. So he's like a sort of like grew up Italian in Chicago and now has come back to run this like really greasy sandwich shop um, and is trying to basically save it from financial ruin. 
Um, and it's awesome, honestly. Like, it definitely helps that I've obviously, I'm starting to learn a bit about kitchen life and what it means to, like, work at a restaurant. So I think the context helps. But, like, even if you don't, it's amazing 30-minute episodes, you know, that just, like, it's a, each episode is just great. It's quick, it's fast, and it's, like, entertaining and interesting. Nice. And, uh... I would suggest anyone. Matty Matheson's in it, eh? Yeah, he plays like uh, he plays like one of these like deadbeat friends, and mm. uh, he's also sort of like the restaurant mechanic. When stuff breaks down, he just shows up and like dangles nice. something or wrenches something and fixes it. You know, in Canada mm-hmm. or Toronto, at least, like Matty Matheson is like the culinary Drake. Like I was kind of telling you guys, like if you yeah, live in Toronto in a way, and you yes. like go to a concert, you might get Drake yeah. bombed. He might just sh- show up and like that's kind of like Maddie Matheson to the food scene. It's like you go to a restaurant and they're like, oh, yeah, it's this guy partnered with Maddie Matheson. And you're like, oh, OK, <laughs> he's a funny guy. And and honestly, like most of his like these chains that he has slaps slap <laughs> slippity slap. I went to one like last week, one of his asian adventures asian oh, yeah. restaurants anyways it's great nice so yeah yeah the bear it's on hulu in the states i don't know where it is in canada um you know but it's good boom you've been a little under the weather mm. yeah i was i was the weather because it was pride weekend and i was mm. just one with the wind in the village and i was i was excited to kind of be back because it was like the first pride in like three years um so that was a lot of fun but i naturally got covid with the rest of the gays in toronto but i always said if i'm gonna go down i'm gonna go down with the gays so nice there you go um pre-covid had a really fun cinematic experience sophie and i went to see robocop in uh the theater at tiff saw which, that yeah, or no, it wasn't at TIFF. It was just playing at like Cineplex, one of their like event cinemas. I think it's like a important anniversary for it. It's I like don't the know. 40th or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, and Sophie had never seen it. I've seen it before, but I will say it was so much fun in a theater because it's just so, I mean, it is just like a perfectly fun, like, awesome Mm -hmm. movie it's there's just so much greatness about it so so fun to just watch in a theater packed like full of people who are like laughing and hooting and hollering like it was just a great experience overall and cool first experience watching it for Sophie for sure I almost wish like I hadn't seen it before that but yeah so that was pretty cool and then for my like sick days I've they put the OC on Amazon Prime, the entire oh, series. Dangerous. <laughs> dangerous. Yeah, Ian was like the first. I posted it on Instagram, and Ian was like the first out of the gate to be like, fuck yes. And I was like, <laughs> all I, right. I almost never respond to Instagram stories except for <laughs> yours. So the algorithm <laughs> has like made it so that basically just whenever you post something, you were like immediately the first thing I nice. see like on my stories. Cause I always just like click through or skip. But I always respond to yours. Uh, okay, well, I love the hyping. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're always down to clown. You're just like, yeah, yeah, that's right. You watch every episode of the OC and don't do anything else. I'm like, thanks, mm-hmm. Ian. Thanks for your mm-hmm. support. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, just, I mean, iconic series. It's incredible. 
it's so good. And it's just so chaotic. It's such a soap opera, but like, it just, you just get so wrapped up, you know, you're just like, Marissa, it's going to be okay. It's not, but you know, like (laughs) you just care for them. Ryan, he's just like punching everybody out. He's so angsty. Like there's there's (sighs) just an incredible amount of like, iconic one-liners in that whole so many show too. The, my favorite will always just be like when him, Marissa and Ryan first meet and she goes yeah. who are you and he goes whoever you whoever want you me want to be, me to be. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just so it's just so stupid but it's just so incredible um yeah so this I've been is, loving it I've been loving it this is it. A, a name drop but I interviewed um Marina Bakarin for my old IMDB podcast and mm-hmm. She has, she's in one episode of the OC and I asked her about it in the interview and she actually says like, you were the first person to ever bring that up in. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> yes. And you're so like, we talked about that like, for a little that's bit. That's actually how I know you yeah. from it's that good. one episode of the OC <laughs> that you did. It's because she, she married Benjamin McKenzie. So they met what? on the set of the oh, OC. Yeah. They're married. Um, but they didn't start dating then, but that is the first time they like totally. interacted. She tells know, a couple like, funny stories the first few seasons pretty well but i'm excited to kind of like once i get to the later seasons because yeah. th- those ones are like a little bit less imprinted yeah. um so but it's still been fun revisiting i just got to olivia wilde's uh debut oh, god yes. bless those Alex. eyebrows were thin mm. thin and like the <laughs> s- strong time for like peak like spaghetti strap era i would say oh, yeah. i imagine spaghetti strap sales went through the roof uh, at Abercrombie and Fitch after oh, Alex. Yeah. Oh, I guess Marissa did it a lot too, but big, reliving big because early 2000s fashion is back now. And it's very clear, like what has been left in the dust, like the dresses over jeans. Like there's just some mm. things that we're not resurrecting. And I respect that. Um, but then there's some outfits that the, these characters were we- will wear that I'm like, if I were to open TikTok right now, there would be like five tweens wearing the exact same thing i'm just like and the early 2000s were personally like the worst time of my life so i'm just like make it stop nothing about the 2000s was genuinely good nothing about it it was all it was a very confusing time but a lot shaken out of it and we're all better for having survived Mm. (laughs) uh i'm i'm gonna we're gonna need weekly updates on those agreed yes yeah. fyi i'm gonna go all the way out to, to bc you're gonna be like mike how's boom and you're like oh she's just like <laughs> indoors boom watching in the oc hasn't been outside <laughs> um let's see so i watched two movies that actually i realized boom had also watched recently yes. i finally got around to watching ambulance Oh, fucking fuck yes. That movie Talk was incredible. It is. Did you watch it yet? It is. Oh no, God, not yet. I'm I mean, like desperate. I was really excited. I mean, it's it's okay, really. I want to watch it. Hold, wait until I get there. I'll be there in a week. I want to watch it with you just so I can see your reaction. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. It's really <laughs> top tier Michael Bay shenanigans. It's completely <laughs> insane. Is this classic so, Bay? It is. But yeah. also, like, I think Boom said it. Like, it is like also woke Michael Bay, which I didn't know he had in him. Oh, yes. Yeah. And like, actually, honestly, like this, I say this without sarcasm, like he does it so subtly 
that I think it's actually better than a movie trying to be woke in a lot of ways because <laughs> yeah. like the like the characters are clearly like there's some like pretty obvious themes about like you know without spoiling it but like uh health insurance and mm-hmm. the way the United States like um supports <laughs> veterans and any number of these things that are like very like progressive left leaning thoughts but they never explicitly say it mm. but it's still like and so I actually think it actually right? probably got across and better. If anybody's going to infiltrate the like righty film bros, it's going to be Michael, Michael Bay, Bay yeah, because I yeah. feel like he's probably like a common ground for just like all <laughs> yeah. political, political leanings. So he, yeah. he gets in there. He, yeah. if, what does he do? Subliminal messaging. I love yeah, it. I called it you. his a cab manifesto. Yeah. <laughs> Is Very Michael Bay going to save the world? Is that what's going to happen? Yeah, I, I mean, know. honestly, probably. Uh, my my one line was, I, if you had told me Jake Gyllenhaal improvised every line of the movie, I would have believed you. Because it's so over the top, but it's incredible. So looking forward to you watching it, Catcher. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Tara also worships at the Church of J-Lo. Uh, oh, so we watched the brain. halftime documentary. It's about uh, time somebody did. It's still yeah. only me and Proto on Letterboxd. It's... It feels like they wanted it to be a series mm. and they kind of like put it in one movie. That was like my only issue with it. Like it was clear there was like a lot of footage that was left on the cutting room, whether or not because like A-Rod had like a lot to do with the, oh, fuck the film yeah. could, could have been a part of it. Um, but <laughs> I was triggered. Be- I know. Because I forgot uh, J-Lo performed at the halftime show when the Niners fucking blew it in the fourth quarter to the Chiefs. Mm. So I was a little triggered at the way the, the documentary opened up. But it was really good. Like it's it's really good. Um, yeah, it, it's and she just, was robbed of not getting nominated for the Academy. Oh Award. yeah, that whole saga was pretty upsetting. Yeah. But it's like obviously fuck the Oscars, but yeah. but it's just like but, give. It's the same. It's like Leo almost. It's just like just give her a fucking nomination. It's J Lo. Like yeah, the nobody's only thing, gonna be mad. The only thing about and again, I think she absolutely deserved it for yeah, uh, she was amazing for Hustlers. Uh, but there's that one point where one interviewer is like, so you've done 30 films and you've never been nominated. I'm like, okay, she's done two or three movies that would have even been considered for a remote nomination. <laughs> yeah. Like Selena and The Cell, if they were feeling like really crazy that year and like no maybe chance. enough, like maybe. <laughs> the Oscars <clears throat> were feeling particularly spicy. Yeah, so like I hate when people ask questions like that because that's just baiting her to either say like, well, I haven't made like Oscar movies, which she knows she hasn't done. But yeah. it's also, you're trying to make it seem like you've like made 30 shitty movies when that's not true. Not all of no. our movies are bangers, but most of our movies aren't made for the Oscars and that's totally exactly. fine. They so it's a do weird, what they it's a cut weird out thing. to do. Yeah. She's anyway. an iconic entertainer and nobody yeah. can take that away from her. Exactly. And um, it, was, it was a fun watch. Also, thank uh, you, Tara. We stand yeah. J-Lo in, in yes. Un- unity. Yes. Uh, but let's chat um, Stranger Things. So if you haven't watched all of Stranger Things 4, Skip ahead like five or seven minutes uh, and then we'll be out of the conversation. Uh, but let's chat Stranger Things. Highlights. Catcher. I mean, we, I mean, we did start talking about it a bit like last time I think we were on um, and we were talking about just like how amazing it looks <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. all the money's on screen and they just continue to do that going into these final yeah. two episodes, these like sort of movie length, I guess, episodes, like an hour and a half. I think both were about over yeah. an hour, right? 
I think the second one was two hours, 20 minutes. Yeah. So because yeah, Tara and I were like, we can finish these in one night. And then like we got to the second episode. Like, no, we can't. No, I did the same thing. I did the same thing. I was like, I'm going to savor this either way. Um, but I have to applaud them. They stuck the landing in a beautiful way. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. a particularly big fan of the villain necessarily, but mm-hmm. everything else around it was great. The tension, like the especially the final episode, where God, it just so gave funny. everyone the room to do what they needed to do. Every storyline was like great. They even mm-hmm. made the the sort of like a you know thrash metally DM Eddie. guy. Like even he was God, fine so by the end. Like I didn't wasn't even annoyed awesome. by him. Um, and uh, the jock guy got what's coming to him. Which was the best. (laughs) Like when he melted in half, I was so happy. Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was great. Really, really enjoyed it. Boom. Um, I feel like uh, you he covered it. I watched (laughs) it. (laughs) No, no, no. I watched it. I enjoyed the the two episodes. Again, could not for the life of me, like, not disassociate during the Hopper in Russia yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, I was so even boring. trying to pay attention, and I just, like, couldn't. Um, so if anybody wants to just give me, like, high level of what happened, you can, like, DM me. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Literally, seems... they could have summarized it in, like, five in, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it looked great. It was awesome. I loved like the ultimate team up that happened. I love how everything kind of ended up working together and how like they would all help each other even from afar. That was pretty iconic. The, you know, heavy metal moment, iconic, Um, which was great. The stuff with the like weird white mob like jocks Mm -hmm. was like... A little bit uncomfortable, actually. Like, I'm not, again, don't get, like, super triggered by, you know, stuff. But I just felt like it kind of, like, soured it a little. Mm. Like, made it a little bit, you know, obviously it's about dark things and dark themes. But I was just like, I'm just not enjoying this. I wish it wasn't here. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like, even in those hard moments, you're still kind of, like, the heart is there. Whereas, like, with this, I was just like, ah, make it stop. Uh, But then, yes, him melting was awesome um the stuff with max amazing she deserves like i i hope netflix campaigns the shit out of her because she was so good she She was like incredible emotions rolling Mm -hmm. for sure yeah she was amazing yeah what about you ian yeah i loved it um i think it's like my second favorite season of the four i would say um but i've liked them all i I'm not really I, I know some people didn't like season two like there are weak parts of season two obviously but like I, I've really loved all the seasons and I like this is season four was really 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 good yeah they just are able to write like catch a touch on this they're able to write one season characters so well which is really hard to do but like every one season character they've had on the show has been like incredible I mean you yeah know, they had Billy and Sean Astin and you know, it's like just really, really great characters. I mean, even Barb, who was in it for like a couple episodes, people really like latched onto Barb, right? Really, really looking forward to the last season. I'm glad that they know when they're going to end. It's set up nicely. It's really, yeah, it's set up great. Like, like it's, it's, you're like, okay, here we go. This is it. Yeah. Like, shit's going to get I gnarly. Like mm-hmm. So much that American television is now kind of doing this, where they're like, mm-hmm. 
we're going to go to here and then we're going to stop because it's like, I mean, you just brought up Shameless, for example, like that went on for 10 seasons. Didn't need it to like so there's just been so much shit that's just gone on for too long. How long did Supernatural last? Like, do we need like 16 seasons of that? No, (laughs) it's just like keep it in its sweet spot. I feel like television in like the UK has always been good at that. It's like you get two seasons. And that's it. And you earn, and you yeah. you earn that second forever, season. But quit your whining. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. The the longest lasting effect of Game of Thrones is going to be that networks are going to be horrified to completely drop the ball in their final couple seasons. Right. Like Game of Thrones did. Um, well, I, I was thinking nice. about Game of Thrones, actually, just with regards to the Duffer brothers. Like, I feel like they did what the people at Game of Thrones failed to do, which was like, just commit to doing this until it's done. Like, they were so the guys at Game of Thrones clearly were like, we're over this. We want to do other stuff. We don't even really care. Like, let's get this over with and move on so we can do other projects. And their failure to finish it lost them every one of those opportunities. Their other jobs. And just, <laughs> yeah. All the jobs they were rushing they lost to get the Star to Wars trilogy. Yep, that's <laughs> oh, what I'm shit. saying. Like the Duffer Brothers yeah. figured it out. They were like, "We're just gonna yeah. do this. We'll do it well, and then we'll see what yeah. happens after that." And it's, I can't believe how good the show is still. So yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah, I'm just worried yeah. that Netflix won't have thirty million dollars an episode <laughs> for the last season. Yeah, and that I, will I will be interested to see the quality of like the production going forward. I think they're gonna any money they're gonna be allowed to use is gonna go towards that show because if they fuck that up they're gonna lose a lot of faith in their customers yeah exactly Uh, all right let's get into ash is purest white uh this is from 2018 directed by ja janke uh apologies I'm, i'm assuming i did that incorrectly um According to Letterboxd, this is set in China's underworld. This is this tale of love and betrayal follows a dancer who who fired a gun to protect her mobster boyfriend during a fight on release from prison five years later. She sets out to find him. Uh, we started doing this with some of our other movies, but lists that include Ash is mm-hmm. purest white. Some good ones in here. Befriending the lyrical loneliness. Yes, yes, yes. I think that's right. Uh, nothing happens, yeah, but vibes. Yes. I think that's perfect. also very the vibes for sure. That's like the perfect one. Uh, a lot about Asian cinema, obviously. Uh, and then there's another very funny list title that I thought was good. Oh, I love depression. TM. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So lots of good ones. So again, if you hadn't had the chance to watch this, which uh, I think you should go watch it anyway. Those are some good lists that uh letterbox users wanted to put it on so yeah uh if you love catcher. depression this movie yeah this movie love depression this is for you uh <laughs> catcher please okay take us away just a quick caveat i'm gonna use the word like modernization mm-hmm. and uh i'm not a scholar okay so mm-hmm. take this all with a grain of salt okay but i just wanted to put that up front because i understand it's just you know a little bit of a weird subject so like let's you know with that i just sure. will Let's get in our time machines. Let's just go. 2001 to 2001. Here we are. Um, this is basically the beginning of the film's timeline. So the timeline of the film goes from 2001 to 2018. Um, and so this is about 20, uh, 10 to 20 years into China's uh, sort of change into modernization. And uh, our director, Jun Ku... Wait, sorry. Sorry. Uh, 
Our director, uh, Jai Junku, is obsessed with sort of tackling this subject matter and what is modern Chinese culture, what's happening, and sort of what has this super advanced modernization of one country and uh, what that does to the people who, who live in it. So basically the title of the film, um, which is Ashes Pierce White, talks about, um, there's a line in the movie that talks about uh, sort of the, the pressures of, uh, and the heat in a volcano that turns ash into this very pure white color. And, and, and the idea of exploring what the pressures sort of, of society uh, are like and what it can do to people. Um, and he has this really interesting idea about exploring not necessarily like money struggles and poor or minority struggles of, but more the struggles of power and the idea of people, some people have power and some people don't. And in this movie, he wants to really uh, examine this particular culture of, uh, Jiang Hu, which is, uh, a word that isn't really translatable into English, but it, it basically sums up this idea of the people uh, who live uh, sort of in an underworld culture, um, not necessarily mobsters, but it definitely, it's about people who live in a world where they have no choice but to sort of be involved in crime in one way or another. Um, and this idea that, uh, the you know, that, there are these subsects of people that we need to sort of examine and look at and, and this idea of like looking at poverty and what it can do and, and examining how that can affect the way people choose to live. Um, and in this case, also examining like the female role in that and the, in, and the female role in this change, you know, that's happening in China. And it, it, a lot of the, and a lot of times it's the men who are sort of like, jumping onto this modernization and looking for money and looking for power. And it's the women often that are the ones who are upkeeping tradition. And so this is a film that's sort of dealing with a lot of different topics. Um, and I'm just wondering, we, I sort of chose this um, because my understanding was this was like really sold to me as sort of more of a gangster film. And like 40 minutes into the movie, I'm like, there's, very little of this sort of like gangster expectation or like just vibes it's just vibes <laughs> and i'm wondering do you guys see this like as a gangster film like in one way or another like it doesn't maybe adhere to the sort of like martin scorsese vibes that you'd think of but do you think it does and overall like what did you think about the vibe of the film overall since it is just vibe maybe like an inverted gangster movie subverted yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's I, just so subversive. Yeah, sorry, uh, <laughs> I, I, I definitely think it it qualifies as like a gangster movie. Um, again, obviously not in the Scorsese type way, <clears throat> but I see this as like as like a gangster movie and like kind of weirdly a coming of age movie. Mm. Like it's about being left behind, you know. And because when she goes to jail for her boyfriend for like having an illegal firearm and she doesn't sell him out. So her boyfriend only goes in for a year and she goes in for five when she comes out, no one's fucking waiting for her. Yeah. And like everyone has kind of like left the gang and all these sorts of things. And she's just like confused and like frustrated and like, doesn't really understand like why she was left behind. And I think that's like a really interesting play and probably the real more realistic one. I'm assuming on like sort of the gangster life on like ones who want to get out because 
in like Western cinema, whenever it's, and I'm assuming most like gangster mafia cinema, like the characters who want to leave, there was like, you know, you got to do this one last job and then you can go. And then they like inevitably die on this last job or whatever. Like that's like kind of the trope. But I like this angle of like, they all kind of grew up or they figured out they, you know, that life was really wasn't cut out for them or they got too close to going to jail one too many times. And to me, that seems like a realistic like portrayal that I think a lot of people try and do that isn't covered in these sort of, you know, gangster mob or gang type movies. Um, I, I, so I actually enjoy that quite a bit again, not, yeah, not what I was expecting. Um, but it is like a really interesting take on the genre, I think. Totally. And I think it flips the gaze on Mm -hmm. the genre as well, which is cool, but not even in a like set it off kind of way, which obviously is, you know, so badass, Uh but this is still badass because it's like, I don't know, it is very vibey, but you're getting it mostly from the lead's perspective, the like, um, what's her name? How do I pronounce her name? Uh, Zhao. 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 Um, and she's super interesting because the way she kind of interacts with people and has like... You know, she seems like she belongs in that setting, but then it is kind of like this interesting thing because it is like a very like male dominated space. Right. So like the fact that she does get left behind, the fact that like she kind of has to like, you know, find her way back in in this really weird way and kind of like what's holding her back or what's even like kind of like, you know, pushing her through the film. It's all very kind of specific to her experience and just not really something you would see in like a man's journey mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah, yeah like it, the film is like so much about um sort of having a set of rules or a set of guidelines for how you want to live your life you know and and treating those rules with respect and those traditions with respect and how that being stuck in a certain way of life can helps you sort of push through, but also can mean like being left behind when those ideals are no longer sort of uh, cool or interesting or part of like society anymore, or, you know, or the people that surrounding you, you, you know, don't have any respect for that anymore in a way. Um, and I like this idea of like char- showing this character who, all the like you said it's like normally a male dominated genre of gangster films and this idea that it's this woman who she's the one who at the end of the day like maintains yeah. that those like that culture you know she's the one that's like holding it down by the end she can't even she doesn't even you know she can't even respect him anymore she, she loves mm-hmm. him but can't respect him because he doesn't like live by the code um Mm -hmm. which i was i super duper loved like it was such a it was such a movie that i was not expecting it to be and by the end i was just loving it for not being what i expected it to be totally yeah yeah i think once i got past the part where i realized it was going to be about her like you know i i think once i realized it's not going to be like a traditional gangster movie i really like locked in on it a lot Mm -hmm. more Cause I was similar to you where I was like kind of waiting for like, Oh, she going to get like broken out of jail or something like that. And it's like, Nope, it's like jumps five years and then she leaves. I was like, Oh, okay. Like, and then once I kind of clicked is that's how like the pacing of the movie was going to go. I was 
you know, pretty, pretty locked in on that. I thought it was super, super interesting. Um, it also reminded me, I think also, cause I just watched stranger things. Like it's like, Will, you know, Will comes back from the outside, the upside down. He's like, why isn't everyone playing D and D nonstop? Like, why is everyone right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> moved on, and he's just trying to hold on to that piece of uh, what that that point in life that he like, you know, had had missed for being in the upside down. It's like kind of like her, you know she she missed the point in time when everyone made the decision to be like, yeah, like maybe we don't need to be doing this. I'm gonna go start my like UFO hunting company and <laughs> or whatever that one guy starts. Uh, yeah, and and, and it worked. It, it worked really well. Um, something I like, and, and like rethinking about the movie also, they kind of hint to that at the beginning where like the very opening scene where she goes and like to the card room and like, mm-hmm. they're all kind of like talking shit to her, but then she like slaps a guy and she, you know, yeah. really like asserts dominance, like right away mm-hmm. over this group of people. Um, I thought that was, you know, very telling of how like everyone else, they're like, you know, they're playing games, they're playing card games. She was there to be like, Hey, like we're not fucking around here. Like, what are you doing? And like, she takes the fall instead of, you know, handing it off to her boyfriend, whoever, because she's like, so by the code. So all the pieces were there that she was going to be like the one to, to, to survive as like a member of like the Zhang Gu or Zhang Ju. Um, and I thought that was, you know, that, that was cool storytelling. Yeah. It's just like watching as, Watching her just, like, use that as a way of survival, like, coming out of jail and all of these, like, little little trickeries and the little scams that she pulls on people is so <laughs> fascinating to watch because you really aren't, ex- like, you really don't know how she's gonna, like, what's gonna happen to her as she's sort of discarded. And she, mm-hmm. and there's all these, she just runs into all these examples of guys who are just constantly looking at her as not capable and trying to take advantage mm-hmm. of her. And it's just so fascinating to watch her, you know, using her ability, like, as a woman in this society to, like, take advantage of all these guys and get what she needs and, like, continue to persevere and move on. And, like, I, it just, it was just refreshing to see that using a female character. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I couldn't tell you why. It just, it just felt refreshing. And it was, it's just an interesting take you know, trying to examine, you know, like as the director wants to do, it's like examine the realities of like life in China in these times. It's like, oh yeah, this is totally something that's shared. You know, this is a sentiment shared by all people. I was watching an interview with mm-hmm. him and he was just talking about, you know, part of this film is me examining myself, like as a man, as a director working in this world, like what is my mm-hmm. relationship with women? And I, and he didn't go out of his way to write a film about a female protagonist, it just made sense based on sort of the themes that he was dealing with that she would be female. And I just think that's a, it's interesting to watch like as the world is like globalization is like ruining the world, but also there's this idea of like, we're all sort of trying to learn the same lessons. And it's kind of refreshing to see like another, you know, a feminist film from another place. You know, I just think that's interesting. Yeah. That scene where she like, uh, she's with the cab driver or like the motorcycle driver and like they go to the power plant, like nothing's there. And he's like, well, no one's here. Like, why don't we go like hook up in that shed? Mm -hmm. And she's like, she's like, Oh yeah. Like, okay. And then like his little scamper, (laughs) the way he like sprints to like check to see if like anyone is actually around. And then she just turns around and jumps in the car or grabs the bike. Steals it. Yeah. And there's even a scene, there's a scene where she's 
like at a casino and she's trying to get money and she sees like some rich people walk by and then she pulls mm-hmm. one aside and she's like, hey, uh, you know, she's pregnant. Yeah. And, you know, she tries to trick someone believing that she's like the friend of like a, a mistress of one of these like rich casino goers yeah. <laughs> and like the first guy does not fall for the bait but then she does it again yeah. to a new guy and he falls for it and like gives her a bunch yeah. of money to sort of like shut the problem down and she yeah. takes off with it and it's just like these little moments of like so clever yeah her being yeah. super clever and using her skills and her knowledge and like her life you know living in this undergrad like living um by all means necessary you know i just it's yeah. fascinating I also like like the theme where she just kept being like, you don't remember me. Like, you don't know who I am. Mm. Like, you don't really don't recognize me. Just like to get it off, just to make people feel guilty, like immediately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, I thought was was awesome. Uh, boom. Any other, what else about uh, this film, Ash, is pure as white? What are on your notes? Oh, man. Um, so much. Interesting, like how there's like these there's these interesting moments with like the dancers or even like the per- the street performer. And then I think she goes to like a concert later. I don't know. if yeah. it's, mm-hmm. Was it the same street performer? I think so. At the concert or was it? It, it was. Oh, okay. I think it was. I, I I'm not hundred percent. It seemed to be, but I'm also not a hundred percent sure. And it was like, I just thought it was so interesting because like the dancers were super cool, but like where they were was just so weird. Like, um, because they shoot them in the club and for some reason it just seems like a little bit out of place. Everybody's dancing. It kind of seems like, you know, like the working class watering hole. And then these two like serious dancers show up and just like start dancing. And then they're at the guy's funeral, <laughs> yes. which is interesting. Cause it's this like really run down funeral. <laughs> like it's yeah. just like bare bones. And then these dancers and then the street performance are really cool. And like the way that the, the lead character is kind of like watching them is interesting. And then later the concert as well, where like there's dancers again, and the guy's singing and he's like kind of off key, but everybody's like great. super yeah. into it. <laughs> and I just thought like the way this film kind of interacts with like performers was like interesting. I don't know if it mm-hmm. was intentional. Maybe it was like kind of trying to show like another side of like people trying to make it and, you know, creatives or what like they're kind of doing in these spaces and Mm. kind of like placing them there as well so i thought that was like pretty funny not funny but just like cool like the pacing to this film was like its own thing entirely but it still worked yeah it's funny i didn't actually connect the dots of like but i think you're right like the various entertainers who she crosses throughout the film are all people also just like trying to not get left behind in various ways. Mm. Yeah. Um, Interesting, yeah. So I, yeah, that's a good catch. I actually didn't think about that, but I think that's, that's <clears throat> definitely like a, a parallel there. Yeah. And then uh, that and some of the photography is just like incredible. Like mm-hmm. the yeah. depth when she's on the boat, like she just looks so small in the mountains and like, or the cities in the background. It was insane. The way this film is shot, it looked incredible. Mm hmm. That was another letterbox list. Uh, I think it said, like, I think it was, yeah, I'm a slut for weird aspect ratios. <laughs> oh, it does, because yeah. it does have a, it does have like a different aspect ratio at first, yeah. and then it switches. And I was trying to it figure switches. out why, like, what the difference was. Like, it wasn't really a time shift that switched it. So I was trying to understand. 
Did anyone get it? Oh, in? I would have guessed it was a time shift, but I actually didn't even catch the first time shift for a little bit. I had to rewind mm-hmm. to like understand like because they don't explicitly say X years, right? No. They kind of they no. kind of say it within the conversation. Yeah. Um, so I actually didn't catch that at first. Um, so I went back before I caught the first. I was like, oh, okay, okay, I get it. Uh <clears throat> catcher, what else? Um, not for nothing, but her the suit she wears in jail is awesome. Um, I guess it's just because it's cold there so it's a little bit padded but the style of it is just like this blue color and it's just really good That's I was just like really excited by that I just wrote jail suit is fire I really enjoyed it but just like every like just the whole I guess you know it just goes back to vibes like you just sort of go along this journey with this woman and you really don't have a clue how things are going to progress and I just appreciated that because you know that's like life sometimes like not to get all like heady and whatever about it but like that is life like sometimes you just like you were just responding to the things that happen to you and you just respond with the tools that you have and you hope you can get through it and the film gets to this point where she's like running a mahjong like mm-hmm. like a card bar but mahjong i don't yeah. know how else you describe that um and you know and she's made it and she's doing it for herself and it was just so fascinating to like watch her get to that point and you're like yeah of course she would like she would do whatever it takes um to get the job like to get herself on the right track which was amazing because i kind of went into it thinking like again comparing this to uh manila in the claws of light where you know it's about this city sort of destroying the people who are in it and in this way it she never was really doing anything that she herself didn't want to do. Like she was just very yeah. much a part of this life. And, yeah. um, and she saw this as the best way forward. And like in the end, in a weird way, it was exactly what she needed to do. You know, you need to be this hard, you need to be this cunning and you need to be, you know, like this selfish to make it through, even though it kills her to do it, you know? And I think that's yeah. really fascinating. Yeah, because there's even that scene where someone, I forget exactly, but they're talking about how like, oh, you know, the new thing with Factor is this technology, right? Don't they talk about technology for a, one of the conversations there or something like that? On the train, maybe. I think they're yeah, talking about I, I forget. Well, yeah, it's just for- the updating, like, well, because they're yeah. she's from a coal mining town and that yeah. coal mine is like being shut down and it's being yeah. moved. That's what they were somewhere. talking about, the technology. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And just like um, society just like used up these people. And like moved yeah. on. And it's like what's left in the wake is just like crime and stuff. How quickly this world changes because they actually talk about Wuhan. Mm. Uh, and had I watched this in 2018 or 19 when it came out, I would have no idea what they were talking about. Uh, but that is arguably the second most famous city in China now, which is kind of yeah, you know, pretty true. wild. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yes, I, th- I thought that was like, oh, that's like kind of wild that how quickly you can find out of these cities and provinces across the world from all it takes is a uh global pandemic sure, that's, that's all a little, a Any, little thing it's, it's kind of hard to talk about a movie that is really like i said just vibes mm-hmm. because it is like a lot of like you're just kind of like on this journey I, it was like it felt like a slice of life type movie but the slice of life is spread out over like i guess 16 years which is weird to say um but it does feel like you're just kind of you know following um the show along but any other notes before you get to our categories not really i'm just excited to like see more films from China like I feel yeah. like there's there's like a really interesting like modern movement of filmmakers really like examining what life is like 
from sort of like middle perspective. It's not like, mm-hmm. well, this place is a is a you know is a terrible communist situation or or the other way around it's like it's beautiful and everything is nice here it's like here's the realities of like living in the next like power you know big world power and i just Mm -hmm. i think it would be a good way of like gaining some more insight you know on a place that's mostly like not covered in a unbiased way yeah uh nice so if you're listening for the first time we do two categories here on synonauts the first one is our criterion moment, which would be the moment or sequence or scene in which you think that this would be submitted into the criterion collection. This one is not, uh, as it was a selection off of Manila and the Claws of Light. And our second category is just how we think it relates to Manila and the Claws of Light. If there were things that stood out, stood out to you uh, about the film and whether or not it was a good pairing um, for our uh, initial exploration. Who wants to go first? I can go. I can go. Okay. Uh, go, go, go. So my uh, criterion moment is definitely the moment in the casino where she like swindles that money um, because it really like got to the idea like, like this was a woman who was just going to, you know, she was going to do whatever she needed to do to get through. And she's just clearly a like was a strong member of this like underground lifestyle, you know, and she was, Mm -hmm. she was like a, with, you know, a gangster as, as gangstery as the rest of them, you know, and she just used her skills her way. Uh, And I really just, I just really appreciated how the film sort of like framed her after that moment where you're like, Oh, okay. You need to look at her as not just like the frail girlfriend, but like as a member of this team in a great way. Nice. Um, I'll go. My Criterion moment is, I think, just when she's first out of jail and she's like talking to someone on the street and she finds out there's a wedding and then she crashes the wedding uh, because that food looks so fucking good. But the way um, Zhao Tao eats like the noodles, like the acting of that was just like perfect for me. Like she's just shoveling in those mm-hmm. noodles and like doesn't give a fuck. She's like, I'm in here. I'm gonna do whatever I yeah. I'm gonna eat. Uh, Can and I, I just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that food looked delicious. Um, so that that's a scene where I I, I really and that's also like part where I kind of caught on like okay, this is gonna be about her like surviving mm. basically. Uh, which you know I, I I enjoyed that scene quite a bit and it does set the tone for like the next couple sequences and scenes and the rest of the movie. So that's my pick. Um, I think mine is probably when she fires the gun. Yeah, you know, that was a great scene. That whole scene was a great scene. Yeah, and it's like interesting because she, it kind of like lets you, it like makes you wait for a bit as well. Like before, like she doesn't just like jump to action. You kind of see her being like, should I? Shouldn't I? Um, and she ultimately does, and it becomes this, like, huge, impactful, like, decision that shapes her life for, for like, the next what, however many years um, mm-hmm. and kind of sets up just, like, the fallout of the re- her relationship with um, that guy. So, yeah. Ben. The, ben. Uh, also... That scene was like violent when yeah. they're smashing oh, that gosh. dude's head into the little like Mercedes oh. uh, hood ornament. I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. That was that was pretty brutal to watch. And like no cutaways. That was like pretty 
gnarly stuff. Yeah. Um, it was gnarly. And the tension of like the motorcycles showing up beside them yeah. and just like banging on the window and you're like, oh my God, oh my God. The tension yeah. is ramped, yeah. ramped right it's up. It's a great yeah. scene. Uh, reverse order. Boom. Thoughts on Ash's purest white compared to Manila in the Claws of Light. I mean, obviously it takes, it's to- like totally very different, you know? Like I feel like this one is, this film, I think like Manila in the Claws of Light is like, all of everything like it's emotional you know it's character driven the city is a character like there's just so much going on and it's all working together um this i feel like is very introspective Mm. compared to to manila but much of the same it's kind of like how your surroundings kind of affect you and the decisions you make um and your circumstances and what you can control and what you can't and how you fight to like either, you know, better yourself or survive or whatever it is you need to do. I think there's a lot of parallels there. Before I answer that, I do want to call out. There was that one line I really loved. I forgot to call out earlier where, um, Bin is meeting Zhao again. And like, he like grabs her hand. He's like, I just want to thank you. This is the hand that saved my life. And then she goes, I'm not left-handed. I'm not uh, left-handed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, was- this movie said men ain't shit in yeah. so many ways. Yeah, on, that was bad. On, <laughs> honestly, that end scene, like when they're driving together and he puts mm-hmm. his hand, like you said, and it's just like, in any other movie, she would have, they would have been ended up back together. But she was like, no, like sure. you don't, you yeah. did not follow the code. You're a piece of yeah. shit. And as much, even though I love yeah. you, fuck you. And I'm just like, wow, yeah. awesome. Um, very, very good. Just very good line. Yeah. Scene. Uh, let's see for me. Yeah. I, I agree with boom. Um, uh, how boom said like Manila and the cause of light is a lot about the cities like attacking. Um, I forget, I forget his character's name now, but this is like Zhao has the pieces to sort of move on from this life that she's in, but she clearly doesn't want that. And so she's kind of working against the city. Um, but I do think like the parallels of like trying to, assert yourself and you know battling with external or, or internal like circumstances i think works really well um i also like that it is about um you know two people of like obviously zhao is a little more well off than um the main character in manila and the claws of light but i guess not really she also has no money like when she gets out of jail so you know i guess there's similar similarities there similarities there but i do like that it approaches like you know, most of the time when you see films from um, Asian countries, it's either genre, heavy genre, or like um, about, you know, rich people or fantasy or things like that. But these like rooted in like real reality, kind of like exploring, you know, what it's like to live in like the subcultures of these like huge cities and and, and countries um, was really resonated with me and aligned really well. So I I thought it was a great pairing and good pick. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, you both sort of like got to the gist of it. Um, So I won't say too much more, but I do find it, I did find it really interesting that they both have scenes where sort of lovers who have been separated for a certain amount of time come back together, like in a Mm. hotel room. And this, I, and, you know, and they sort of break down where the relationships are and where they've been and what's been going on. And like this idea that, yeah, like, 
you have to sort of like do these things in secret. Like everyone is are living lives that like if you were just being on like to be your honest self, you kind of have to hide a lot in this, you know, in, in situations like this. And it's only in these like quiet, secluded places where you can sort of open up and be honest with people. And I just found that quite interesting. Um, so, yeah, but everything else you guys said was spot on. I think. Uh, awesome. So that was Ash is Purest White. Uh, if you haven't watched it, go check it out. I think it's worth the watch. Again, it is like slow and definitely like vibes exclusively. Uh, but I, I thought it was, you know, well worth the watch. Mm-hmm. And it was good, good catcher. Um, let's get into our tea with boom. So Agreed. if you saw on, if you follow us on social media, it's at Synonauts, uh, on IG, you'll <laughs> notice that boom <clears throat> is going to be off of Synonauts for like a month and a half ish. You may be able to force her into random episodes here and there. So catcher and I, are kind of going to be freewheeling uh, a little bit for the next couple of weeks that we're not entirely sure what's going on. Uh, but yes, but we will do, um, we're going to hold Babylon for when boom comes back, just because we know that's one of our favorite movies and we want to discuss that with her, but we are going to, uh, hit up, uh, Florida project. We are going to do the Florida project and I'm going to try and see if we can find a guest for that. And then we are going to do solo as well with, uh, a special guest. Uh, for that. And then other things that whatever catcher and I concoct along the way. Um, So boom, Mm -hmm. related to that, what was your question? So my question was basically just because I'm going away and I feel like it's like we've been talking about it for a bit, but it also just kind of crept up. And you guys said you were going to like do stuff, but it was yeah. never <laughs> fully formed. Unless unless you guys no. were like sidebarring no. without no. me. You would never do that. But <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. I would have a <laughs> fit. But no, I'm just kidding. I'd be I would handle it like a mature doll. It's fine. Um so I just asked the people if they have any uh, suggestions, wishes, anything that they'd like to see that just the two of you cover. Um, and Mike, so Catcher was the first to respond yes. with draft day. And were you trying to say, like, we are just going to have a draft day? Or did you literally mean this Kevin Costner movie? No, I literally mean this Kevin Costner movie because I figured, okay. why not lean into Ian's love of football and football, my love okay. for draft day, the movie starring Kevin Costner, which is a great film that everyone should watch. So I okay. figured this yeah. seemed like a perfect opportunity to like push that through. Um, we'll see how that goes. But I just bought it on DVD, so... You know, that's what you we're bought okay, well, draft day. I have it. it. I have it here on DVD. Let's, I bought like ten see. DVDs while I was here, and it, one the, one of them is their draft day. Perfect. Catcher's review be... from August 18, twenty twenty one. I dare you not to like this movie. Four stars. Yeah. <laughs> it's excellent. It's excellent. <laughs> I've never been dared not to like a movie before. We, no, we can add gonna... it to the short list. Also, like the, the letterboxed page is hilarious because it's just Kevin Costner staring at you twice. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, the cover is also, yeah. It's just Kevin Costner Perfect. with huge like, NFL logos. The cover is very intense because it's yeah. just him and and then the background is all blurred and he's just gripping a football mm-hmm. for dear life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> while he staring own- like directly into your soul. <laughs> he owns a football it's team. Great. Okay. And then, so we've gotten a lot of responses. Okay. This was not a flop. Thank Question. you, everyone. People are stoked, especially Grugak Steve, who I think submitted about like five or six. <laughs> um, okay. But I'll just say a few. Four rooms 
which I've never okay. heard of, but it looks like Madonna's in it. Real uh-huh. Genius, which has an interesting poster, Val Kilmer. Uh-huh. Who looks uh-huh. like he's uh-huh. stuck his finger in a socket. Uh-huh. Um, and Airheads was one of them. Okay. As well as Money Train. We got a few J-Lo picks. Okay. Um, Charles Forsman says... Days, uh, Days of Heaven, which is a proper Criterion oh, yes. flick. Ooh, maybe we can get Chuck to come on for that. Oh. I know he's a big uh, Terrace Malick guy. So Days of Heaven, especially yeah. in Fisher. Yeah. Um, Tara DeBorha, The Wedding mm. Planner. And I appreciate the J-Lo love, but I say bench that. No okay. J-Lo without me. And when I get back, okay. the three of us and Tara can do The Wedding Planner. Thank you. Okay, we'll get Tara um, on for that episode. Oh, yeah, good. we need her back anyways. Um, And now that I know she loves J-Lo. Okay, the Michael D. Corvette Summer. Corvette Summer. Yeah. Not heard of that one. Cousin John 7 Police Story. Hmm. Interesting. Corvette Summer from 1978. 2.8 on Letterboxd. However, uh, Mark Hamill is in it. Okay. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Mark Hamill's in it. So you probably have to do it, don't you? Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm adding all these to my watch list also. So I love forget. this. Okay. Um, Isaac Hammack said Mad God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that okay. looks like a Shudder exclusive. And I know Catcher yeah. loves Shudder. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, 70 Millimeter covered this week. Yeah. Our dear friends oh. over there. Yeah. So I'm excited. Okay. I started watching it a few weeks ago and then just was like, okay, I'm going to need more time for this. I think. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I need to watch that then. Uh, Marcy Dale said Air Force One. Mm. Oh, great. Which looks pretty intense. Harrison Ford as the, as president, the president of the United States. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. The president. That's how I learned uh, that Ty- the plane was called Air Force One was because of that movie. I had no idea. There we go. Educating international film lovers oh all over the world. I just <laughs> think of the song by Nelly, Air, Air, Force, Air Force One. Get it stomping in my Air Force Ones. Um, Ty said, now you see me, Woody Harrelson and the gang. <laughs> oh, God. Mm-hmm. Um, Mikey P said, pumping iron. Is that, that's the <sighs> Arnold doc? Yes. Is that right? It's excellent. It's, I've never yeah. seen it's that. It's so funny. It's so from 19. Oh, this is like OG Arnold, like it, when he was bodybuilder Arnold. Exactly. Interesting. Arnold, who's been biking around the streets of Toronto recently. Yeah. Arnold, um, yeah, he's making a movie. Yeah. Right? Or a show. What's or he something. doing up there? Just, just biking on a, on a. What are they called? The, the big seas or whatever. Anyways. Um. No, he has his own bike. He's rich. And then <laughs> Bex said, Bex is just out for blood, out for drama. She oh wants us to. Wants you guys to scoop film hags and do Twilight New Moon. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm a fan of the films. We're so in. I'm not. I'm not going to say oh no God. to Twilight New Moon. And what if we only did New Moon? <laughs> oh my God! Chaotic. I'll so swim we over skip to forks. I'll be close. We skip one. We skip one. Just go right into two. But I feel like is New one- Moon the one where they take their shirts off. Don't they take you the can't shirts do off that all without of them? Me. I'm pretty sure that's the one where yeah, he Yeah, but you're going to be doing it without us. Yeah, when she that's stumbles true. and then his <laughs> his reaction to her stumbling is to take his shirt off. Like, it's perfect. Honestly, Honestly? I... There, <laughs> I had this podcast idea a while ago and I've like kind of wanted to revisit it, but I don't know how I'll ever have time to do this. Is it Twilight or shirtless? So it's related to Twilight because uh, Tara's mom my mother-in-law, Mary, she is like a twi-hard, like 
has okay. been to Forks twice. And so I had this, and she also loves movies. Um, and so I had this podcast idea where yes. she and I, we would yes. alternate picking movies for each other and we'd watch them and then discuss them. Uh, maybe I can convince Mary Elvergy to come on and discuss Twilight oh. with us, Catcher. I feel like. <laughs> so cool. Okay, yes, but also. I feel like. Also, you should just. <laughs> do the podcast but just watch the twilight movies it's just a limited series <laughs> like that's it a limited series maybe i can convince maybe her this is a test run us. we could just do a test Guys, you to... can't scoop film heads on on twilight because our you literally is, told us to is just to scoop rodent film cinema no i'm just kidding i was just trying to make a joke but it didn't work okay. fine what is uh, other rat movies like other rat uh, <laughs> What's that Rat movie Man? with that creepy guy who talks to rats? Will oh, Willard. Oh, oh yeah, Willard. Nice. Yeah, Willard. Oh, we definitely need to do that. You could do okay. uh, the, the Secret of Nim. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I think those are the only two movies I can think about. So you could do Rat like a cinema. You could do a two or four movie. Well, Teenage Mutant Ninja series. Turtles has has Splinter. That's true. So maybe Splinter. That Master yeah. Splinter, yeah. Yeah, my true. hero. Okay, well, that's it. And that's awesome. what the people want. So that I think that was about 20 movies. So you guys yeah. better get to step in. Ian, Ian, what about I got, I also found in my DVDs that I bought a copy of A Better Tomorrow. Where are you buying these DVDs, by the way? They have them for like five bucks at every like convenience store. Like gas station the, here. Yeah. yeah, exactly. John Woo's A Better Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love John Woo. So, also love A Better Tomorrow. Haven't seen that in years. So um, yeah, I've never seen it at all. So let's put that on the list. I just realized I had it and I thought that would be good. Wait, what nice. else does John, what did John Woo do? He did something I love. Hard Boiled, he Face Off. He did Face Mission Off. Mission Impossible. Yeah. Face the, off. Movie, okay. yeah. the movie you loved is Face Off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the movie everyone loved. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Ooh, Face Off. Can we put that on the list? Didn't we yeah. do Face Off? Oh, no, I did you it with Dune did Pod. You did Face Off on Dune Pod. We can, That's right. We, we can, can fix this. Us. We'll figure it out. Um, well, thank you, everyone. Um, so, again, yeah. Boom is going to be gone for the next couple weeks, but we're going to figure out stuff to do, obviously, thanks to your incredible suggestions. <clears throat> Maybe we'll have some special guests on, some other stuff like that. So, uh, in the meantime, <laughs> Boom. I'm sure I'll still be talking to you, but enjoy your time visiting Catcher. Swim over to Seattle. Yeah, swimming in your swim marathon, all that sort of stuff. And uh, Catcher, I'll talk to you next week. Can't wait. Very excited. The Florida Project. Yes, for the Florida Project. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Nailed it.